You are listening to the Advanced Colorado Rundown, Colorado's conservative podcast, providing insight and thought-provoking discussions on Colorado's most critical policy issues. Let's join George Brockler and Michael Fields for today's edition. Welcome to another edition of the Advanced Colorado Rundown. My name is George Brockler. This is Michael Fields. And we're here today to talk all things education, very special guest from an organization that has really put its stamp on the education issues in the state of Colorado, and it's being well-helmed by our guest, Brenda DeConer. Brenda, introduce yourself. Tell folks who you are, where you come from, and tell us what is Ready Colorado. Hi, yeah. Thanks for having me, Michael and George. I'm happy to be on today. Uh, i I work at Ready Colorado. So we're a group of conservatives really leading the charge for better schools. Our core values really center on ensuring that every kid has access to high quality school. And, and we don't, you know, we don't care if that school's private, public, charter school, innovation, magnet. We just want kids to be able to go where they want to go and where they where they're going to thrive. And we also firmly believe that parents know that about their kids. They know that learning environment that they're going to, that their kids are going to thrive in. And so parents should be empowered with the data, with information, the knowledge to be able to make that choice. So we support policies down at the state capitol that will open access to school choice, that will ensure parents have a seat at the table and that they have access to that data that they need. Um, and then we also work uh, locally as well and have uh, supported some efforts at you know, local school districts to support those types of school choice policies as well. Now, listen, I am a parent of four public school attending kids. Well, one of them has gone off to college out in D.C., but the other three, and they've all gone through charter schools, which we love. They're now in neighborhood schools, which we love, too, in, in Douglas County. What are some of the things that you are seeing? And I don't just mean in Colorado, but nationally to kind of give perspective as to where where are we in the educational freedom, educational access, educational quality issue? Yeah, well, traditionally or historically, I should say, Colorado has been a leader in school choice compared to other states. We have a pretty robust charter school sector. We've got around 15 percent of kids that attend a charter school, which is pretty high compared to other states. Um, and, you know, it's it's unfortunately been turning away from that school choice uh, freedom and towards you more controls by more control by teachers unions at the local level. You're starting to see boards like the Denver Public School Boards pushing back against charter schools and school choice. So the pendulum has been swinging a little bit in the other direction. We're, we're quite concerned about that. Um, we still think that Colorado has the ability to get back on the right track and be a leader in terms of educational freedom. But there's certainly a lot of work to do right now. Do you think it's the public that's swinging away from it or it's those folks who happen to have their hands on the lever of government right now? I think it's a little bit of both. And I think the when it comes to the public, the teachers union has been incredibly successful at capturing the narrative around this and, and spreading misinformation about choice in charter schools. Uh, they use just flat out lies, to be honest, that they'll say that, you know, charter schools don't serve a diverse population. That That's simply untrue. They serve more students of color than traditional districts run schools do. Um, so, the, you know, they'll, kind of, they'll say, you know, they take money away from district schools. So they've, they've been able to get out these types of messages and falsehoods mm-hmm. about charter schools that have been successful. And I think we we who are proponents of school choice need to do better at messaging why why this is what's good for kids. It sounds like you and the unions are going to exchange a lot of Christmas cards or winter festival cards or whatever you're allowed to do now. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, that's a good segue into something I wanted to talk about today about a poll that Ready Colorado just released. And, you know, our top line coming out of that was the drop in favorability for teachers unions. So we certainly aren't mincing words on the topic, George. Yeah. So tell, tell us about that. First off, tell us about the poll so that people know it isn't just you on your block. And then two, talk to us about some of these things that stick out to you as important. Yeah, this poll was conducted by a group called Signal, and it was conducted in the middle of January. They have a very good reputation as a polling firm, and they tried to mirror the sample they used mirrors what they could see as being the the sample of voters this coming fall. Um, So it has a good representation of unaffiliated voters, uh, Democrats and Republicans. And we polled on a variety of education-related questions. And one of the things we looked at was just the favorable image of teachers' unions. And we ran this poll two years ago with similar questions. And two years ago, you know, teachers were teachers' unions were actually slightly more favorable than that. And mm, then we saw, yeah, and then we saw a twenty-three point drop since twenty nineteen pre-pandemic to now. And now they're underwater. So now you have the plurality of voters who think who do not have a favorable image of teachers union. They are turned is it off. Because, by- is it because they associate the teachers union with the president of the United States? Because that's a that's an epic drop. I mean, that is a huge drop. You usually have to be in the White House to see a drop like that. That's right. I mean, teachers union and Biden were the least favorable uh, items were or uh, images we tested. So, I mean, it is it is a shocking drop, but I don't think. I mean, I don't think it's that surprising when you do look back at the pandemic and you look at how teachers unions really fought against reopening schools when kids were struggling, when we knew they needed to get back into the classroom. We knew that COVID wasn't, you know, wasn't a super big risk for kids. We had vaccines and yet unions were still putting up barriers to get kids back into the classroom. And so I think you see that reflected in these poll results where the public was really turned off with how the union acted over the last couple of years. Brenda, I'm curious about, um, you know, money and education. And I guess, what did your poll find in terms of if people thought uh, there isn't enough or there's too much money in education and specifically teacher pay? Uh, did they believe that teachers were paid enough or not? Uh, and if they, they believe that they weren't, where do they think that money should come from? Yeah, so really fascinating, I think, responses to those questions. So overall, Coloradans believe that our schools on a whole are underfunded and they believe the average teacher salary of around 58,000 a year is too low. And that, you know, it, it was pretty strong opinions there. A good solid majority of voters feel that way. But then we asked, well, should we increase education funding through increasing taxes or should the government better allocate the resources it already has? And you had 80% of voters respond that we should just better prioritize government spending. Only 13% said that we should raise taxes. So I think that's really telling for where we are right now that voters, everybody values education. We value teachers. We want to see them well compensated for what they do and the hard work they put in. But we also know our system is full of administrative bloat and that there's a lot of better ways that we can allocate the dollars that we have. Yeah, And I'm curious, I know Reddy's talked a lot about uh, changing, altering the funding formula for education in Colorado. Did you see anything in the polling or is there any work that you're doing now in terms of continuing that discussion? Yeah, I mean, we, to, and to give perspective, you know, we have, 
we spend about $8 billion on public education in Colorado a year. And we, we just recently had an influx of about $3 billion of federal COVID funding that is going to be spread out over a couple of fiscal years. Um, but, you know, it, when you look at that big pot, it is, it is a significant pot of money, but we're allocating it in a way that is really inefficient. And our formula is rewarding district characteristics, like where a district's located, how the cost of living is there, um, and less on student needs, which we think about as whether a student is in poverty or has special needs. Uh, thinking is an English language learner. Thinking about those student needs is, is a way that other states use, and that's what they use to prioritize where the dollars go. And Colorado's kind of behind in that sense. We're one of the last states to revise or to really um, innovate our education funding formula. So it's certainly something we're pushing forward down at the Capitol and, and hope to see some movement on that this session a little bit, and then hopefully next session uh, more so too. There's another issue that, uh, you know, kind of countrywide, but also here in Colorado has had a lot of talk about curriculum, posting curriculum, that kind of thing. Did you pull that uh, specifically? And, and what did you find? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think just to take, I'll address that question specifically. And first, I wanted to just share, you know, we asked a question that was just around how much should pair, how much say should parents have over what their students are taught? And on that one, we had the majority of voters say that there should be, the parents should have some or a lot of say. And when you look on party lines, you had 42% of Republicans and 40% of unaffiliates say parents should have a lot of say, the most kind of extreme intensity category, versus only 12% of Democrats. So you see some kind of stark divides going on in that, on that issue. And then when we dove in a little bit more specifically, too, on um, on CRT, critical race theory, we saw that voters were pretty vehemently against uh, critical race theory with 40 percent having a, unfav- a strongly unfavorable view of it. So it had that larger uh, intensity around that as well versus so overall it was a 46 percent unfavorable Uh, and then 35% favorable rating for critical race theory. What I see from that survey is that, first of all, parents are concerned about what's being taught in schools. And overall, people, whether they're parents or not, because this sampled all voters, whether they have kids or not, think that parents should have some say in our schools and what schools are doing. And we also, you know, we're living in this, um, you know, pandemic world in in education for the last couple of years. Uh, It's still continued on. I guess what takeaways. I mean, I think one thing we have seen is the school choice, you know, kind of that all of the above approach to education. Uh, You've seen an increase in support for that here in Colorado and across the nation. But are there any other lessons uh, that we're learning or or need to learn still when it comes to uh, education and, and the pandemic? So we know that our system was inequitable before the pandemic. It was exacerbated by the pandemic. And I think coming out of that, you know, we need to be laser focused on getting our kids caught up and expanding choices for parents. And we also need to know how our kids are doing. And that's the only way we are going to recover and return to normal is if we have an understanding of how kids are and where those kids are who are furthest behind and how to allocate resources to them. So part of that happens through our state assessments, which Uh, are administered once a year. They measure how kids are doing in reading, writing, and math. And when we pulled this question over whether parent people support whether students should be tested annually to measure progress, uh, it was overwhelming support across party lines. Republicans, unaffiliated, and Democrats were in that low 80% for supporting that we should do this. So um, it, you know, at this point, it's not a controversial topic anymore. And I think what we what we need to do is the next step is ensure we take that data and we armor parents with it. And we say, you know, this is what 
we can use to focus on getting kids back on track and ensuring that schools are back on track as well. As you spend your time at the Capitol um, this session, are you hearing of anything that causes you any concerns in the areas of parental choice or school performance, funding, any of those things where you're like, look, you need to pay attention to this? Well, there's this um, fairly terrible collective bargaining bill that is uh, in draft form. It hasn't been introduced yet, but has the potential to impact charter schools, which currently now do not have collective bargaining agreements. Um, so I think you know, keeping an eye on that, it would also affect local governments and many other functions of society. But I think we need to kind of monitor and understand if we're protecting freedoms, part of that is, is protecting the ability to, for charters to not be unionized and to have kind of the freedom to be able to allow their teachers to um, do things like work longer hours um, from a school day, have an extended school calendar year. Some of these things are what enable charters to be flexible and agile and operate differently than your traditional public school. That um, yeah. Do you get a sense that the unions, whether it's in anticipation of this or not, do you get a sense of the strength and activity of teachers unions throughout the metro area? I mean, I, I know there's activity in Douglas County. That's where I'm a parent. Are you seeing them make other efforts in places that aren't currently unionized or have collective bargaining agreements? Yeah, you know, I'm not quite sure, George. I think it's something to be really vigilant about, though, because I do I do feel like, as I had mentioned at the start of this podcast with this, the way the pendulum's been swinging over just the last few years has been an increase in power and control of teachers unions in really lots of different areas of the state. Um, and I, I think you're certainly seeing that play out in Douglas County as well with uh, kind of the uproar that they're causing down there. And so, I, I mean, I would definitely say that's something for parents to be aware of and for just general citizens to think about, you know, how do we kind of counterbalance against a, a truly powerful special interest? Hey, if you like what you're hearing, uh, go to your local podcasting platform, the one that I use is Google, Apple, Spotify. Stitcher and all the millions of others out there, download it, subscribe to it, share it with your listener base, with your friends, with your family, and let's get this thing going. You've been listening to the Advanced Colorado Rundown, brought to you by Advanced Colorado, the conservative thought leader, driving dialogue and solutions to Colorado's most critical policy issues. Find them at advancecolorado.org.